Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast, episode two of the, the new revival, I guess, to a certain degree, the new uh, season, a series, if you're in the UK. Um, I am Peyton Guthrie, um, uh, part of a, a, a triumphant host group for the Through the Keyhole uh, of podcast, joined as always with Matt Burton, and I say as always, I guess as always of this new iteration, uh, Matt Burton and Alan Kinney. Um, how are you guys doing today? Let's see if you see if you can keep from stumbling over each other. <laughs> we immediately both pointed at one another. I'll start. I'm, I'm doing great, man. Uh, as I was telling you, Peyton, me and uh, my, my girlfriend uh, went to Dallas this weekend. Just got back today. Uh, I guess Irving, technically, technically Irving, Texas. Um, but it's yeah, we same. saw, we see, yeah, it's, it's all the same to me, especially as an Oklahoma. And it, it's all the same. It's all Dallas. Um, but yeah, saw Olivia Rodrigo in concert with uh, her and uh, her two cousins who are 15 and 12. Uh, so the target demographic for Olivia Rodrigo, which me, 29 year old <laughs> male, not, but I had fun regardless, man. It was a great time. Awesome. Yeah, no, man, I've just been uh, actually keep taking it pretty light watching uh NBA playoffs, which has been just fantastic. Uh, this whole off season or postseason, pardon me. Um, we'll have another good one tonight with uh Suns and Mavs, I think. Well, who do you have in that? I mean, do you think, uh, as Bomani Jones, the high spots, Luca is going to be able to pull it off or pulling for the Suns? <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm pulling for whatever helps my wallet. Uh, but, uh, I, I see the Suns winning this evening. Yeah. That's good. I mean, as a Spurs fan, I can only hope for irreparable <laughs> pain for Mavs fans. It's uh, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, my my general hater. Have you seen the meme where like the guys in the in the bus and he's looking at the at the wall and one dude's sad and other guy's looking outside the other window and he's really happy. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's one that says like um, being nice and letting people enjoy things. And he's looking at the wall, being sad, and the other one's like looking outside to the sun. It's like being a massive <laughs> hater. Yeah. yeah, that's that's my life when it comes to, uh, especially now the Spurs are horrible uh, to yeah. Oklahoma City and and uh, Maverick fans. Is hopefully you guys are having it much worse than me. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Mavs are. Uh, I mean, Luca's amazing, uh, and he's it's kind of fun to watch him doing his thing when he's just one on one, but. Um, I don't know that it, it just makes that turns that team kind of into a black hole though, man, because he dominates the ball so much. Yeah. I think it's something like he's had more seasons um, with a 36% plus usage rate than like LeBron, Allen Iverson, Michael Jordan, like all of them combined. Oh, it's gotta be yeah. <laughs> so far. Yeah. It's, it's, <sighs> uh, it's, it seems, it seems kind of wild, especially when you're watching teams like golden state, you know, even Memphis when, um, um, uh, Morant was out or uh, the Celtics mm-hmm. just winning. Yeah. It's just a full team. Right. You know, Celtics aspect. move the ball so well. Like they're, they're actually really cool to watch. Like that's one team that maybe I've enjoyed more than any other in the playoffs so far this year. Well, no, I like Memphis, <laughs> Memphis better, but uh, yeah, Celtics are up there. Well, let's talk into some uh, OU. Um, now that the uh, basketball segment's over and you're, you've, <laughs> everyone has their bets in, let's talk about uh, <laughs> Oklahoma football. Uh I guess we, um, I'm going to say we called it, uh, obviously, 
uh, OU uh, accepts the uh, the transfer of a former Pitt Panther with uh, uh, Davis Bevel, um, and then also takes in a uh, a JUCO a commit from a technically he's classified for twenty two. Is that correct? Uh, I thought he played. Ju- Let's see here. Yes, I guess he is twenty. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah. So in a uh, in a week's time, when we were thinking. What's OU going to do? How are they going to fill this room out? We don't know how they're going to be able to handle this. To now, they have a fully fledged out quarterback room. Uh, I guess that's why we're, we're talking over a Zoom call uh, and not necessarily recruiting these kids or trying to get stuff uh, something kind of uh, figured out. But, uh, I mean, do you have any thoughts on um, on either of these two? I mean, we know we saw Davis press in the action uh, during the, what was that, the Peach Bowl, I believe, um, and then General Booty, played at Tyler. I mean, do you have, yeah. what are your general impressions on, on either of these two, if you have any? Yeah. You know, I've been trying to get caught up on both of them this week off and on uh, what I've seen from Bevel. I mean, you know, he's a big guy, six, six, 200 pounds. So uh, you know, he, I mean, obviously he's, you know, kind of got uh, with, with that size comes, you know, uh, good arm strength. Um you know, not, uh, not just out of this world, but, you know, good enough. Um, but, you know, kind of concerning that he was third string at Pitt. Uh, no, there's obviously, like we said, there's no shame in seeing behind a first round draft pick like Kenny Pickett, but, um, you know, you would have preferred to see him making some more waves there and maybe not being uh, scared or, or maybe not, uh, you know, deciding to leave when uh, Pitt picked up a, a commitment from Keaton Slovis out of U- USC, who actually has didn't look all that great in the spring, from what I understand. Um, so, well, and then with with Booty, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I've got uh, you know, he comes from a long line there in that family that's been been very big in uh, you know Louisiana high school football. Mm-hmm. It would appear that he's moved all over. Uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with. Uh, the fact that he ended up going uh, the Juco route, or if that's just more of a statement about uh, him wanting to develop, obviously, but um, you know, this looks like a, a long-term development project at best to me, uh, just based on, on what I, what we've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, as you said, that's a long, he comes from a long line of booty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, big family name. Uh, yeah, maybe he did just pop out of nowhere. I mean, he did play – where did he play high school at? He went Allen. to four different schools, I think. Yeah, I think he ended at Allen, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe it was just that he bounced around so much it made it hard to, to kind of find him or maybe get settled in there. But it does seem strange that, uh, you know, big-time quarterback, potentially big-time quarterback at the uh, – I was about to say the University of Allen, but it's, it, that's kind <laughs> of close to a certain degree uh, – didn't garner a bunch of uh, interest that way. And um, it, his JUCO numbers, while being JUCO, are impressive. I mean, they, they, they do have some stuff there at that JUCO level. Uh, there was some talk. I think I heard the Scoop guys kind of talking about schools were sniffing around, but they're thinking he was going to say you needed to stay down there one more year before they start kind of like really potentially getting some offers or something like that. Uh, OU obviously having to kind of reach out. And, and get a commitment now <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and needing just a, a body in that room is I just don't think they wanted to, to lean on Michael Bowens if it, if it came down to it or lean on yeah. Evers if they came down to it. Uh, the thing that's most interesting to me is that both, um, I mean, I believe Davis and 
uh, general have three years of eligibility? Um, uh, they should, right? I mean, let's see here. From what I understand, let's see here. Bevel, he redshirted in 2019, played in 2020, 21. So I guess, and he also has that extra that year COVID too. Year. Yeah, that COVID year. So, and then with Booty, um, yeah, I think he has, I think he only has three years. My question with him though also is, let's say that, you know, he stays at OU for a few years and does kind of like a development mental route there. Does that mean, or how long, what are the transfer rules for him coming after transferring from JUCO? Does he still have that free transfer year immediately or? Oh man. Uh, I have no idea about that answer. I'm going to see if I can Google Matt, pull that up, Matt. <laughs> see if he has, a free, see if he has <laughs> yeah. a free transfer year. Let's start doing this full Jamie mode. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that is something that could, we could look into and it's like, Hey, you could have stayed down there or you can kind of get taught under Jeff Levy, get these reps in more and more schools are going this quote unquote bear rate style um, mm -hmm. and get you ready to go in a year or two. Like, you know, the goal is never to have you started OU unless something crazy happens. Um, but you can at least sit here, get the room, you know, keep the, keep the seat hot to a certain degree. And you just need arms and camp for a lot yeah. of this stuff. That's why I'm oh, seeing yeah. some of these dudes are just like, man, Booty should just be a scout team arm guy. Bowen, same thing. And that I'm, I'm assuming Davis is just the backup. And then Evers is if it is pressed into emergency style action. Um, but man, um, I'm trying to figure out how big. Um, he doesn't, big general, general, booty general booty's not, I mean, it doesn't look all that big from what I've, from what I've seen. Yeah. The highlight video when he could actually wear the golden hat. Like he actually just put <laughs> yeah. it on his head and I went, yeah. oh no, <laughs> he's tiny. <laughs> yeah. If you can actually do that, because usually that looks. That's my 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 one biggest uh, complaint about the uh, the golden hat is that it just most regular size football players can't wear it. Like it yeah. just looks really <laughs> awkward. Just, yeah. But once he could put it on like completely, I thought, oh man. Uh, yeah. It says he's six three. Is Juco is Juco six three one ninety five? So he's not tiny. <laughs> oh man, he doesn't. He doesn't. He didn't. Doesn't fill out the uniform. Uh, but no, he doesn't. You know, that's, yeah. But you know what, man? Like, I think. I think though, like you said, that, like to a degree, they really just need players who can like give them a look and practice. Uh, you know, a guy who, if they get in a real pinch, he could fill in there. But you know, if you think about it, what's the difference between you know staying for a second year at, at JUCO or going playing a year? at a place like OU. And then, you know, if you, if you can't, if you're not in the running for a job going somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Makes I mean, sense. having watched uh, both seasons of cheer on Netflix, um, <laughs> if you could, uh, that those Juco facilities are not what you, if, if the living situation, if someone were to say, you're going to come down to university of Oklahoma and we're going to upgrade your, where you live, how you train, what you eat. I mean, I would do it too immediately. It's like, yeah, you're not getting playing time, but you're, you're potentially getting so much more. I guess you can think of like an internship to a certain degree mm -hmm. um, uh, development that way. And plus, why not make some money um, being general booty at the University of Oklahoma? I mean, it's true. It's I'm true. assuming he's going to get some NIL stuff. He's been 20, you know, uh, trending, trending on Twitter. Um, uh, Trill Withers, uh, who was a very funny account. He had a thing yeah. going on about him. It it's was like, no, no, he was on the ESPN.com front page this morning. The commitment to OU was one of their top headlines. I was just, 
I was like, this kid, like, <laughs> okay, I mean, it's clearly it's the name. So, you know, yeah. I guess, you know what, man, more power to him. And if you can do it, you can leverage it because that happens all the time. I mean, like you said, I, I had forgotten about his brother playing at USC. Uh, what was his uh, brother's name? Um, it was John David. Like a, John uh, no, David, pardon, yeah. He no, had like no, the no, law pardon, firm yeah. type name. Well, I think actually now, now that I think about it, I think John David Booty might be his uncle. Uncle. Um, yeah, that family, like I said, that family's real big in like Louisiana high school football, like in the Shreveport area. Cause there was uh, like Abram, I believe is his father. And then there was John or Josh. No, pardon me. There's Abram, Josh and John David. And Josh, I think was at LSU for a bit. Uh, he was kind of a big recruit. If I remember back in the day. And uh, I believe general booty is Abram booty's son. Yeah. And, you know, so this is two things for, for Brent and uh, you know, his staff one, it potentially, you're always, it's always nice to be able to have Allen kids on the roster. I mean, you want to be able to get in there. There's times where Allen is an NFL factory. It helps open up stuff. I mean, especially in that Shreveport area potentially opens up a couple more doors in some different area, you know, some, mm-hmm. some of the high schools in the boot <laughs> to a certain yeah. degree. Yeah. You're never going to beat, you're never going to beat LSU for those kids. All right. But if you're walking into the sec and it's like, Hey, we're just getting some of these kind of Royal people, Royal, like these family people onto the roster or into the program that, that does help. I mean, that we mm-hmm. always talk about all the time. It's like, Oh, you finally landed a commitment commitment at this school. And here's how they did it. They did it by offering these kids five years ago and like missing out on so-and-so like the moment you get your foot into the door at some of these places and some of these States, that door can stay open as long as you take care of, of, of these kids and the high school coaches start talking about you or anything. Um, I mean, I guess we're going like to sidetrack a little bit before we talk about the other one. I mean, as you've seen some of these offers and stuff and OU kind of going after it, how do you see OU getting ready to kind of ramp into that SEC recruiting battleground of like keeping these high school doors open? Like your walk is, you know, Louisiana's were super close. Arkansas is super close. I mean, they're going to, you know, Mississippi, you're going to have to kind of be into these states, Missouri, be into these states pretty heavily uh, as these recruiting grounds shift, you know, eastward and southward. Right. Well, I mean, I think you just look at the kind of uh, coaching staff that Brent Venables has assembled, and that should really tell you all you need to know right there. I mean, you know, guys like Ted Roof, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, who, I mean, yeah, he was, uh, you know, I believe he was the analyst at Clemson, but, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Hall, is that, is Brandon or Will Hall? Brandon Hall, uh, whichever one, uh, you know, and then uh, is coaching safeties and then Jay Valai, you know, cornerbacks coach who was at Alabama last year. I mean, these are all coaches who, uh, you know, have, you know, deep ties to the South or at least some ties. But, you know, like I remember uh, Ted Roof, everybody, you know, me included, kind of turned up their nose when it was announced that he'd be taking over as defensive coordinator. But he's coached in that part of the country forever so i mean he knows everybody you know this is just an opportunity for OU to get some entree there i think uh and you know these these you know places like louisiana where yeah maybe a lot of those kids or all the top tier kids are probably going to end up at lsu but you know there's still plenty after that you know kind of in that uh you know four-star recruit type range who you might have a shot with so uh always good to keep those doors open 
Yeah, I mean that that's what I'm looking forward to. It's like seeing how to get into that. I know our 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 their old third um our old the the old third host uh famously in our little friend group had said, Oh, you need to kind of punt on the idea of moving to the SEC country via recruiting. This is before everything had been announced for moving into the SEC. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh Oklahoma it is not we. I mean, I'm not on the payroll yet. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, oh, you need to keep winning these battles and not just in Florida. I mean, I mean, Florida is kind of a free for all to a certain degree, but you need to start getting LS, uh, Louisiana kids, Tennessee kids, Missouri kids, you know, Georgia kids when you, when you can, because they can't sign everybody. And yeah, you might be getting the third best or the fourth best guys. That's still helpful because <laughs> yeah. eventually you may, I mean, OU's had multiple, um, if, if OU had been in Georgia a little bit more, maybe there's a chance they keep the Overton, um, uh, commitment or something along those lines, you know, well, potentially. And like, and well, but like also look at, I mean, I, I've never been this one. I, I don't know why people, I mean, I think, I guess there's a question in terms of, you know, where is it that you can go and not just waste your time. But I mean, to me, the idea that, you know, you need to recruit just one place or once, I mean, no, to me, you go get players where, where you can get them, you know, to me, the big reason to, uh, have a presence there in the Southeast is because that's where all the great defensive tackles are coming from. That's where a lot of the good edge players are coming from. That's just where the, the bigger bodied kids are. Uh, and, you know, it speaks to what you're seeing, you know, when, when those teams get matched up outside the conference, uh, they're just, you know, kind of dominating teams in the trenches. You know, those kids aren't coming from Texas anymore. You're not going to find them necessarily in a place like Ohio, maybe California. But if you look at the recruiting rankings year in and year out, those top interior prospects, they're all in the SEC. Now, moving on to another area in which OU is desperately trying to get their foothold back into. <laughs> uh, uh, Javion, uh, is it Javion? I think he goes by JJ, maybe JJ Hester. JJ Hester, getting from Booker T. Washington, Tulsa area. Um, you know, historically, OU has been kind of snake bit with the, uh, with the Tulsa area, um, especially under Bob and under um, uh, Lincoln to a certain degree. It does seem like it is a big uh, uh, area of concern for Brent to know there's a, like a, there's two powerhouse areas that uh, produce state uh, talent in Oklahoma. And for some reason, OU just kind of ignored uh, one of them. Esther <laughs> yeah. transferring from Missouri to Oklahoma, um, just kind of bringing this. He also brings in um, three, three years of uh, eligibility. I think so, yeah. And they're, they're bringing them in young. It's kind of wild mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Um, standing at 6'3.5", 181 pounds, another bigger guy um, who at first glance I thought would be kind of battling with Weiss um, for that kind of outside thing, kind of an upgrade over him, which is kind of why I was hoping OU could really go after uh, LV uh, Buntley because he seemed to be more of an upgrade in that slot spot. But uh, maybe um, Hester can play. And if we watch the spring game, uh, Daniel Parker, the tight end, kept getting some of these bigger body targets that were like the mm-hmm. five yard targets and stuff and kind of over the middle targets much more than I thought he would ever, even in a spring game <laughs> uh, yeah. receive. Uh, so maybe this is, they're bringing him in to be that bigger inside uh, inside receiver type that OU has had kind of the last what seven years or so with Andrews and uh, um, 
um, Calcaterra, uh, Stogner, these bigger type of big body guys on the, um, on the inside wide receiver group. Um, I mean, do you have any thoughts on, on Hester and what he potentially kind of brings to the table? Or do you think I'm just way off and he's just, he's an outside guy totally? Well, I mean, to me, he looks more like an outside guy, but I mean, I think that it's kind of a matter of how Levy likes to use those receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, clearly he has a preference for the taller guys, lankier guys. Uh, he wants guys with some size out there. Uh, that was what they did also at Baylor. So, you know, and then, you know, I was actually, you know, looking at uh, some of the stuff last year from Ole Miss, for example. And I, I mean, I guess to be fair, they were running a lot of those guys in on, uh, you know, inside positions and, you know, hitting them on the slants, you know, on those mm-hmm. RPOs. Uh, you know, you want a big body guy there to shield, uh, shield off defensive backs, defenders, you know, when you're, when you're running those routes. So that part would also make sense to me, you know, but there's a lot, I think there's just a lot going on here. I mean, for one thing, like you mentioned, the more they can do to kind of get, get their toehold back there in uh, Tulsa, the better. And this is a Booker T Washington kid, you know, they've got uh, another uh, Booker T kid coming in and Gentry Williams, a cornerback this year. Uh, in the mm-hmm. 2022 class they've got also uh, a kid from union right i have Jaden rowe right he's from union uh then um you know next coming up there are more you know kids like micah teese uh who i believe is a booker t so you know again just you know kind of gain your name back out there or your face i guess might be a better way to put it back out there and tulsa's uh couldn't hurt so um, you know, they needed, they need definitely needed a body there. Um, so I don't know how much impact Hester will have right away, but, uh, you know, I think for, in terms of developing the kind of receivers that, uh, Jeff Levy likes to have in his receiver room, Hester's a good fit. Um, yeah, that, yeah. And, you know, he is still young. This isn't like a, a grad transfer or a transfer thinking, Hey, this is a one-year guy. He, we need to find uh, impact from immediately. There's a chance he, you know, Hester is purely brought on thinking, well, Weiss is gone after this year. We don't have an outside guy, <laughs> you know, yeah. for next year. I mean, um, Mims is more unlikely. There's going to be a pretty overhaul transition of OU skill talent once again. Uh, and they don't have a ton of stuff like lock, you know, locked in the barrel to pull the trigger for next year. Um, and that's something, you know, as fans and myself, you're thinking, man, can't wait fall 2022. Let's get going. And these coaches have to think about 23 and 24 and how they're going to have these schools put together. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if this just gets, gets you another chance to make sure you lock in Micah Tease, I, I, you, you have to, one, you need the spot and two, uh, you take them just for that option as well. Mm. I mean, I think Micah can be, be potentially pretty special. Matt, did you ever figure out the thing on the Juco? I did not know. I had no success, oh, man. man. I had no, no success. I, I pulled up a, uh, like whatever, a PDF or whatever, but it was like 45 pages. I was like, I'm not getting this read with my reading <laughs> level. I'm not getting this read by the end of our, <laughs> by the end of our body. <laughs> well, like the other thing you think about is like, do people still recruit Juco QBs? Like I haven't heard about, <laughs> when was the last time you heard about Juco QB doing, doing much since like, Cam Newton. Right? I was going to say Cam. I mean, like uh, I'm trying. I've been trying. To, I was trying to think of others. Like especially with the transfer portal going the way it's been the last few years, just seems like that's the uh, preferred route, right? Wait. Uh, what was Malik? Uh, uh, Malik Willis was he one? Ooh, that's a good. I thought he transferred from like Ole Miss, maybe, but I could be wrong. 
I can't remember. Yeah, I think either. he was he was Auburn or Ole Miss. I think. Yeah. Okay. I was I got him confused with the yeah, yeah Auburn. he's Auburn first and Ole Miss. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I for some reason had him confused in my head from um. Uh, last chance you who went to Auburn oh, well, <laughs> for, right. for a while. John Franklin oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, don't know. Don't know why that was in my head and why I was confused about it. But for some reason, <laughs> every time I saw him, I thought, was that that kid? <laughs> uh, but uh, maybe maybe that says more about me than, than about uh, his talent level. Uh, but OU seems to potentially have put together what we're needing. Uh, we got the quarterback. We got the quarterback. OU has the quarterback mm-hmm. room settled at least uh, potentially for the future. Um, I, I'm still of the mind that the quarterback situation is a uh, Dylan Gabriel is going to be your two-year starter. Uh, and if that's the case, then you need to have guys behind him. You need to have stuff there. Is I wouldn't expect uh, Arnold to walk in and just be like starter ready immediately. I don't think he's that type of quarterback. Um and that's nothing wrong with him. A lot of guys take a take a year or two to kind of get it figured out, especially kind of grow into these systems. Um, wide receiver group, I kind of wish they'd been able to pull in LV as well. Um, I'd like to see the, that position group be a little more uh, dominant to a certain degree. But I, I guess in this bear raid style, as long as you have body types, you could be okay. Um, you don't necessarily have needing guys out there needing to kind of beat one-on-one matchups. It's more the ball is going to find you to a certain degree based on these RPOs. Um, I mean, what, what other positions would you like – what other position groups would you guys like to see them kind of kind of touch on? I mean, Matt, I'm going to toss this to you because the only thing you've talked about is your ability not to read PDFs. <laughs> your ability not to use Command F. Right. And type yeah. in the word you're looking for. Right. No. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, um, what, what other position groups do you think OU really needs to look at? Man, I I honestly don't know. I think they did a pretty good job kind of addressing their at least just getting by getting bodies in there, right? Like I don't I don't think, you know, I don't think Bevel or or Booty come in and just, you know, light the world on fire, but they are bodies and at least Bevel, yeah, he has at least some level of experience. Uh, in college football and playing in a college football game, which <laughs> no one else really has besides yeah. Dylan Gabriel. So um, I think they did a good job there. I think getting Hester is a great ad for the wide receiver room. Um, Cause I mean, it, he's got, he's got a thing that, you know, you, you can't really teach his speed, man. He's got a ton of speed yeah. from everything that I've, I've seen from him. So um, man, as far as addressing, they, and then I feel like they addressed early, like defensive backs. What did we get? They, they got three in the Connie Walker, uh, the Colden kid from Wyoming, and then Trey Morrison from North Carolina. Three DBs mm-hmm. like right away whenever they got here. And then you, you add someone else, Jeffrey Johnson on the defensive line. So I feel like they took care of like that defensive side of the ball, like their real, real needs, I guess, mm-hmm. like, like right away. And then now that was before the quarterback station, quarterback situation kind of played itself out with, Caleb leaving and obviously they knew Spencer was going to leave. So like, I think they just kind of waited to see how the chips fell with Caleb. And then, you know, as it, as it goes on, you kind of just see the kind of quarterbacks fall. And it's kind of tough to, they're in a tough position too, because they're trying to take a quarterback who knows he's not going to start. Like it's, I think that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough sell. Like trying to get Jackson dart whenever you already have Dylan Gabriel is a tough sell to be like, Hey, well, I mean, you, you can compete with Dylan at the time. You can compete with him, but he's probably going to be our guy, like, for at least probably two years. So it is a tough selling point. So I think that's kind of the best that they could do uh, at filling out that quarterback 
role, uh, that quarterback room and for a backup role. Yeah. You know, with Gabriel, I'm not sure if he's even been, I, I just to be clear, I'm not sure that he's necessarily locked in for two years. I, I kind of just based on some of the stuff that I've heard just from reporting stuff, like, you know, I mean, if he has a big year this year, I think he's gone uh, to the NFL, but you're right that he has two and technically, I guess he has three years of eligibility left. Um, but anyway, um, you're right though, in the sense that he's not, none of these guys are going to be able to uh, unseat him. So at, at most you're looking at competing for 2023. Um, as for, you know, other positions, I mean, hell, you know, you can always, you always need more bodies on the defensive yeah. line. So if, I mean, if you can find somebody there, of course, that's a, that's a good spot, but man, I mean, how many players are going to be out there and available now that are going to give you more than, you know, a guy who's a scout team emergency type. Like I just, I'm skeptical, you know, that that the portals fold those guys now that that you know you want like a you know if if jordan addison wants to come to ou <laughs> come on down but oh like, yeah for sure i mean otherwise like eh, I, I just don't see a ton out there that i would uh, at least that i've seen reported that i would be uh charging hard for yeah i mean yeah i i feel the same if there were like a uh above ever above like a average replacement level type player, like a Jag plus type of guy um, at the, uh, at the edge or something like that on the defensive line. Th- that's the one group I, I feel kind of a little wheezy about. I know we're switching more into the four, three, potentially having more four down, even though we've seen the spring game, it's going to be more of a, um, a four man front in name. It's going to be like kind of that stand up yeah. rush guy. But, but if like Marcus Stripling, if he's like your day one starter and I like him, I think he was a cool win. I just don't think he is that. It doesn't seem to rise to the level of defensive end or rush end at the University of Oklahoma that they've had in the past. Uh, you know, if that's the guy who's coming off the edge there um, and you've got guys transferring out, like I thought was smart for NKR. I thought it was smart, smart for Noah to get out. And it was actually really cool to see, um, uh, the OU coaching staff kind of give them, you know, applause out the door saying these are great kids. They're, they were, you know, warriors in the classroom and, you know, we want to see them succeed. But if those guys weren't able to push for even playing time in the spring game, you know, yeah. at these positions. And that's just a, because I think the middle of the defensive line is fine. I think it, yeah, I think you're set up there. The two transfers they brought in, I think will be our two deep type players, rotational players. It's when it starts getting to the edges of stuff, on the lines where I really kind of get some issues. I mean, you've got Downs, you've got Stripling, you've got Clayton. Um, and then you've kind of got some question marks, uh, like who's going to be there? What's going to happen on the edge? It takes one dude to go down, and all of a sudden you're playing a different scheme, <laughs> potentially yeah. just due to the amount of bodies you've got there. Uh, but on the other part of it, do you just go fill up an empty calorie so you have bodies? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's always a balance there. Um when it comes to it, but if, if you know, if somehow there were like a magical guy out there saying, Hey, I, I've got a one year left and I want to go play at the University of Oklahoma, I want to bring you know two and a half sacks to the edge. I, it'd be really nice to have that type of player, um, in on the system. And then I, I'm still not 100% sold on the running back room. Uh, I mean, Marcus Major has never given me uh, any sort of reason to think he's anything more than he's shown. and Gray just does not seem to have 
a burst that I thought he had when he was coming over from Tennessee in any way, shape, or form. Um, I mean, to me, like by game three, game four, if Barnes isn't your full-time starter, uh, <laughs> then he just hasn't gotten – he hasn't had enough peanut butter and jelly sandwiches enough times with Smitty yet because he does seem like the the one guy on the roster at this point in time who does seem like an OU-type running back. Um, th- those are the two spots for me. Just I would love to see something. If something does kind of pop up magically, just on that defensive end and that running back area. I mean – yeah, certainly the edge, of course. I mean, pass rush, you know, it's one of the uh, one of the musts. And yeah, OU hasn't had the uh, kind of development there. I think you'd hope. Uh, you know, a name that everybody keeps hoping to break out there is Clayton Smith, but um, until he does it, you know, yeah, I think that you can say that OU's still <laughs> definitely looking for contributors there. Yeah, Clayton's always a team, and also to a certain degree. Um, uh, uh, for that type of thing there, we just said, like, I'm really, I was a big, big believer in Jalen Redman coming in. I was like this, he has a potential being a first round type draft pick. I do, don't know if I have that same type of think about him anymore, uh, mm-hmm. potentially due to health reasons and stuff. I don't think teams are going to invest a first round draft pick in, in him, even if he were to get like double just sacks or something uh, mm-hmm. from the interior. But he also is someone that's like, well, I've been waiting for him to be that guy to be like the, the main dude in the middle of this line uh, protecting the linebackers and kind of cutting through some stuff. And it does just maybe seem like there's enough guys on defense where it's, we're kind of at that spot where it's okay. This is your chance now. Like you've got a defensive minded head coach. Who's going to put you in position, position to succeed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like this yeah. is your chance. You're no longer going to be paying the three, four. You're not catching bodies. You're going to be, you're not going to be like slanting every single time. You know, you're going to go one-on-one and beat the guy in front of you. Um, and then, you know, behind that line is a little worrying to me, linebacker-wise and everything, but they've got a lot of time to figure all that stuff out, and, you know, we've got an hour to talk about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they'll probably be, I mean, judging by the spring game, they're going to be all kinds of blitz-heavy this year, too, so, uh, you know, that yeah. might be where some of the pass rush is coming from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, if you have to generate all that stuff uh, from the back end, but, I mean, a lot of that Obviously, Brent's teams are very blitz-heavy and very sack-focused. But t- to me, most of that, especially for Brent coming this year, may just be trying to give those quarterbacks uh, a second picture, a third picture. They need to they need to try to mm-hmm. figure out as quickly as possible. Yeah. And especially with the QB talent that they'll be facing this year in the Big 12, I mean, I don't think you'd look at anybody and think there's a bunch of world beaters um, yeah. at this point in time. You'd be able to catch them young, especially somebody like yours uh, down mm-hmm. in Texas. He's going to be super young. First time really getting these types of things. First time walking into Red River. Uh, at least you got to hope Dylan's at least played in some quote unquote big games uh, as as much as they would have done down in the bounce house. Um, <laughs> and maybe he can bring some of that big game experience to, to the Dallas uh, for the uh, Red River. But speaking of uh, needing to kind of step up and kind of like see what's next and see how things are going. Um, Brent has uh, made a couple different statements over, over the past week, kind of uh, rallying up the Twitter storms and everything. Uh, his first statements being, um, and Matt, if you can kind of find them for me, it'd be fantastic. Talked about he saw too much casualness uh, in the locker room and from the players um, and, and just from the program entirely when he got there in December. And uh, it, it looked like Jamar Kane was up in his feelings about that uh, on Twitter. Uh, if you saw that saying, uh, oh, I guess I'm casual now. <laughs> uh <laughs> I mean, but do we think is 
is is that just Brent trying to win stuff, like win points at, on these caravan tours or something for this casual statements, or is that actually a um, an in indicator of the former regime at OU and and kind of maybe how how business was handled? You know, I mean, first of all, for me, just observing Brent Venables, and this is me talking from way on the outside. Uh, everything seems a little too casual for him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, That's true. It would be possible uh, not to be too casual, but I mean, yeah, for me, I just kind of looked at that as uh, I'm not going to say a throwaway line, but just maybe more his, you know, assessment of what he just, like he said, what he saw when he uh, you know looked in the locker room or what he saw when he, he saw him on the field or, you know, working out. I mean, like, I don't think that it's, you know, <laughs> out of bounds to say that OU's team last year, you know, I, you know, well, I'm going to preface this by saying, look, man, I hate it when people act like they know what's going on inside the team or inside the locker room or even on the sideline, uh, you know, when they're, when they're not there. I'm just telling you that from what I saw, I don't think that team last year uh, maximized their potential and in some, you know, in some sense, that speaks to attitude. It's got to, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, to me, uh, the whole casual thing, like, I mean, to me, that's that's about saying, like, and I, another word, another concept I hate, but, you know, one that's important here is culture and expectations and, and what you're hoping to see uh, out of your players. I mean, to me, that's that's what we're, we're talking about when he says things were way too casual, uh, you know, I mean, and then think about all the different just kind of little things that, you know, OU was, was bad at last year, you know, the special teams gaffes or the penalties or, uh, you know, uh, just all those, you know, kind of uh, tackling to me, that's also a matter of focus and attitude. I mean, I, I think that it just seemed to me like a pretty fair assessment of where he thought the program was when he inherited it. Yeah, the yeah. Um, the actual quote says, I saw too much casualness, if you will, too much nonchalantness when I came in uh, in December to watch the team prepare for a bowl game. Um, and, yeah, that was kind of my whole thing. It was like, yeah, like Brent Venables, he does not strike me as a casual kind of guy. No, he <laughs> is, he is not a nonchalant guy. No, he is 1000% energy and whatever he's doing. And, um, and the, my, the word that comes to my mind is discipline. Like that's mm. just having discipline, man, doing what has to be done when it has to be done and doing it that way every single time. Um, like that, that's what strikes me about this. And I think, you know, Lincoln, he, I mean, obviously had success at one multiple big 12 titles. Like, so you can win being that sort of like players, coach, hands off, you know, all that stuff. But whenever there, it lacks that discipline, it, it shows and it rears its ugly head at times when, you know, it, when it doesn't need to basically when it, whenever it doesn't need to, um, like you said, all the special teams gaps, yeah, like, well, I mean, none of that stuff should ever happen. And Listen, like I'm not I'm not the old the guy the uh, the oh you know players these days are too soft. I'm not that guy. I'm just saying a guy like like Brent Venables and he, like he's not a hands off type of coach. He's gonna push you hard, like and that and that still works. That's that still mm -hmm. definitely works, uh, especially 
in college football when uh, guys, I know guys are getting money now for NIL mm-hmm. and deal, but the ultimate goal is to go play pro ball. And like, if, if this was some guy, I said this on the radio after these came out, if some guy from some directional state school gets promoted to the OU head coach who hasn't won anything and is trying to do this, then yeah, some guys would probably be like, what? Like, no, what, what are you talking about, dude? But it's Brent Venables coming from, you know, uh, where he's won multiple championships at, at Clemson, had multiple years of, of success, multiple guys drafted, like the list goes on and on. So you're going to listen to that guy whenever he's demanding all these things from you. You're going to listen to him because he knows what it takes to get you to that level. Yeah, I mean, that's something we've seen Brent like talking about recruiting as a marriage. Like you can tell he's like fully bought in on stuff. He doesn't want people halfway. He doesn't want this stuff. We've got the rule. You can't visit other schools if you're committed to Oklahoma, because if you're committed to Oklahoma, you shouldn't be looking at other schools and stuff like that. I mean, he's very intentional, very focused, very dedicated uh, in that mindset. You can tell he's wanting that type of kid as he's recruiting. It, you know, he talked about uh, looking at kids, social, having like a social media group, check out recruit social media channels and stuff, making sure they're not getting any quote unquote bad characters or you know rough characters. Uh, but I mean, to, to kind of give that version of the team, uh, the cut to slack just a little bit. The University of Oklahoma coming into December, a bowl game for December, the entire staff basically just left. A third of the team is about to leave via the draft or through the portal or through graduation. Uh, and you've got Bob Stoops being coached for like two weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I could I could see in my mind a bunch of kids being like, I'm not going to be here in 24 hours. So uh, what, am I really going to stay back and clean the locker room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it like it's rumored that Mims and you know Dylan Gabriel did during the spring game and stuff. You know, it's I could see some cut. So to me, that makes it a total throwaway line. It's like, yeah. It, it you see you see all the last guys you know departing the ship basically you know well, let it, me it's not... no well let let me push back on that though because okay like if you read a lot of like okay for example OU sent eleven guys to the NFL combine yeah. this year they had zero taken in the first round they had one guy go last pick in the second round that rarely happens like i did an article on this looked it up after after the draft i mean you know in the last five years we took the the you know i i found like the top 25 in terms of not each year top five that we're sending of, of players sent to the uh nfl draft and i think three out of 25 didn't have a first round pick that reached ou's level there at, at uh you know ar- around that 11 player level so the point being like those that's clearly got to be coming from something right like these guys aren't necessarily maxing out they're not hitting their the the you know peak performance you heard it and then you know i'm not to pick on perry on winfrey but a lot of what i read you know the uh the scouting talk about him uh prior to uh the draft was you know stuff like he wasn't he was just they they said he lacked life skills like he was always missing team meetings or showing up late or you know doing whatever i mean you know if you have if you're a play you know if you're a player's coach with a you know kind of setting a casual uh hmm. you know with a casual culture so to speak like yeah you're going to count on guys like Perrin Winfrey to be self-motivated as opposed to really riding them and getting them in line and I I mean, guys failing drug tests before, like, 
a, yeah. a college football playoff yeah. game. Like, I mean, come on, like, or, and then failing again when you have a chance to get eligible, <laughs> like, I mean, stuff like that, man. Like I, I, if, if he's, you know, I, I guess I see where he's coming from, you know, and it, different, you know, different cultures, different attitudes towards that kind of things work differently for different people. Uh, but you know, there, there's something to be said that maybe things just really were getting too loose at OU. Yeah. And that's the something I was going to say as the second part of it is that Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, how I always saw the Oklahoma teams under him were basically like the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, when they were super talented, super talented, but they're always kind of sloppy, very penalized all the time. I mean, yeah, I guess you could even kind of look at the chiefs. I think the chiefs are penalized a decent amount and they're kind of sloppy to a certain degree, but it's like, it's like, we've got these quarterbacks. We've got these wide receivers. We can be a little loose on the edge because we know we can drop 50 if we need to. Like in the, you know, under looking Riley, that was always a potential to hang 50, hang half a hundred on somebody uh, every single week. That was never seen to be the issue um, under Lincoln Riley. You know, he was, the thing I was thinking of is he, he, he kept the main thing, the main thing, which was the offense. We're going to do this. And Brent Venable seems to be kind of looking at it from, no, it's all the main thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. of it is the main thing. And you can't, if the moment you drop somewhere, you're, you're causing issues somewhere else down the line, you know, you stop going to class all of a sudden you're not able to be on the, on the field and you know, you're missing meetings all of a sudden you're in this. And this is also coming from, I mean, I know it's like a famous thing now and fans rally around it. And I was at the game. I was at the West Virginia game. They, they carried, they carried Baker Mayfield's Jersey out and you know, to the mm-hmm. captain's thing and stuff. And it's like, as if he was in some horrible accident, it's like, no, he got suspended because he's grabbing his junk on live TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it, you could tell like Lincoln didn't want to have to do that. And then Lincoln lied about, you know, the, the CD lamb concussion stuff. Cause if you actually said, oh, he, he was out drinking and got into a bar fight, he, he may have to suspend him. You know, so yeah. like, it, it, it seemed, I, I wonder how Brent is going to kind of handle that type of stuff. I mean, does he, if Brent was in that situation, does he just suspend Baker for the game? And it's like, we got Kyler, it's going to be okay. I mean, like how, that's the kind of stuff when Colch, and I think you've, you've kind of mentioned, I hate saying that word. Cause I try to do that work. I'm like, we, you know, we're going to do like a Marvel method type of culture or mm-hmm. collaboration all the way. And everyone's going to have a say, but there are sometimes I'm like, guys, we're just going to do what I'm saying right now. Like I apologize, but we're just going to have to do this. And I want to see what happens to Brent as a head coach. When culture has to meet action, is he going to hold on to this stuff? Is he going to toe that line and say, no, this is who we are. Or does that culture start folding on the edges some to accommodate the situation of reality that's in front of them? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't covered Brent Venables in any sort of official capacity. Uh, I mean, I, we're all just guessing here. I mean, right. does he hold these lines? Is he, is he going to say, you know, is it the, the infamous line in the sand type of a thing that we're not crossing this line? And, but does that line keep getting crossed? I mean, do you guys think that's you think I'm maybe off base on that a little bit, kind of worrying about it? Because the thing is, I don't want like a drill sergeant head coach. I want someone who's tough and like authoritative, but I don't know if I want those hard, those famous 1950s coaches. Well, like you don't have to be a drill sergeant to do to do that kind of thing, to be that kind of coach, you know. And I mean, like <laughs> plenty of guys have survived in football by, you know, uh partying partying hard when they want to but also like 
at the same time when it's time to work, they're there, you know, yeah. uh, it's a, it's a, there's a big difference between, you know, having, you know, when to get down and also, you know, like being, you know, being on time to practice and really, really giving it in the weight room and being a good teammate and, you know, also maybe not getting into the kinds of situations where, you know, you can miss time, which is, you know, different from, you know, going out and, and hanging out with your friends and having some beers versus, you know, going out and getting in bar fights, that type of thing, you know, clearly it, it's that kind of stuff's gonna happen because these are college kids. But yeah, I mean, there's just a different way of, of looking at the world um, and what you're, you know, what you're, what you're involved in, I guess. And, you know, I'm not sure, like part of the thing too, is like, it seems like Venables is taking more interesting guys um, like off the field, like away from just the program or just what happens inside the football offices and inside, you know, the practice field. Um, and I'm also not sure if Riley had that kind of relationship with the players, you know, you, again, you don't have to be, you know, all up in their business all the time, but I'm not sure that Riley necessarily had the same vision of what he wanted OU's program to be like on the inside that Venables does. Yeah. I want to talk about Baker Mayfield now, just very, very quickly, because he was also up there. I mean, Baker is probably the peak of what you're talking about. Someone who can, hey, he's going to he's going to party hard, but he's also going to take care of business at, inside the stadium, inside the stuff to a certain degree. I mean, we, we've there's always been stories of was he actually sick before the Rose Bowl? Had he gone out and stuff like that? And there's been there's all kinds of rumors, um, you know, then Spencer Radler as well, saying maybe he's on campus corner a little too much as opposed to like being inside the building. Uh, and these are all rumors and everything. I mean, kids are allowed to live their lives. Um, and honestly, now that we may be quickly approaching um, poid, uh, paid employment status, maybe some of that college life disappears for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if all of a sudden now they're not having to pass NCAA stuff, now the school can say, Hey, come on down. We got yeah. some, uh, yeah. we got to do some, uh, uh reasonable, uh, uh, reasonable suspicion test real quick, you know, stuff yeah. along those lines. Uh, I haven't thought about that. Maybe that does change the uh, college experience for some of these kids, even more on top of the life they already don't get to live uh, while having to, potentially audition for future careers down the line. Uh, I mean, like, just like take Baker Mayfield's case. He is the, he is the symbol of the Lincoln Riley era uh, to a certain degree, very brash, very out there, very kind of like the offensive guy, loosey goosey, but very loud and brash. I want to do what I want. And, and when I want to, that people really gravitate towards Baker. I do. He's got the statue of two right feet uh, <laughs> out there. I mean, he's, he's the guy, I mean, I was at the, that spring game and he was talking and I was getting kind of teared up, you know, thinking, man, this is going to be okay. Maybe, you know, we're going to be all right. The team I like is going to, it's not going to suck. We're not turning <laughs> into Kansas. Uh, but if, even if he kept living that lifestyle that he had OU going to Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland's literally saying we need an adult in the room and then going after a guy of 22 sexual assault cases. I mean, like how yeah. much of that party lifestyle or whatever, that kind of loosey goosey lifestyle of, well, I can separate the two off field and on field. Did that not prepare him enough for this? Or you have like Perry on Winfrey who doesn't seem like he was prepared to make that next step to a certain degree. I mean, if he was more of like an intentional person, he's probably a first round draft pick, you know, mm -hmm. even, even playing out of position. Um, 
So that's not really a thing. I was just kind of wanting to rant on a little bit. Like maybe, maybe we start seeing more OU players get overdrafted just yeah. due to them being more in the room, more lifestyle skills. I mean, these head coaches just eat that shit up where it's like yeah. the guy wore a suit to the interview and a tie and he said he was early to every meeting. I mean, they're little warlords themselves and they they would just love that shit if, if they, they get those type of scouting reports from those head coaches. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Clemson, they, Clemson has brought in a lot of great players in the past 10, 12 years, what have you, when, when uh, Brent Venables was there, but uh, I mean, they didn't cycle through guys that quickly, you know, I mean, and they had plenty of guys who were taken, you know, highly regarded by NFL scouts for a lot of those reasons, Um, you know, they, that they checked a lot of boxes, you know, on the off the field stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I, th- I think so. And so like when, when Venables is saying like things were too casual or like, it's time, you know, I'm going to tear this down to the studs or the foundation or whatever it is that he said, I like, I don't read that as him saying like, we've got bad people here or like, you know, we, we don't have winning, uh, winning players or we don't have talent or any of that. I, th- I take him as that saying like this team just needs like an attitude adjustment and a different way of doing things to, uh, to really excel. Yeah. And that's the second part of this with the, the, the second part of the thing I was going to talk about was Brent Vermel's doing the whole, we're tearing it down to the studs bit. I mean, that put a little fear into, into some OU fans hearts and uh, gave plenty of um, anti OU bloggers ammunition (laughs) (laughs) to to kind of go after Oklahoma saying, Hey, this, this isn't a a quick turn. This seems like it's going to be a full rebuild. And um, well, I think, I think the uh, people who are OU fans who are also Oklahoma city thunder fans, I think that that's where their mind went. Mm. That's where their mind went. They were like, no, let's not do the thunder stuff. No. Well, I think I think I remember maybe it was Tom Herman or Charlie Strong, one of them also using that kind of language at Texas, too. <laughs> so, you know, it's oh, easy yeah. to kind of say, oh, well, you know, we've seen this before. I like I don't I mean, I, I don't really know what that would even entail, like tear it down. to. I mean, like not that many guys have transferred out uh, after a coaching change, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. Not, I just, you know, I mean, maybe I don't even like, what would that mean? Like in terms of sacrificing this season or two seasons for the future, like, I don't even have a concept of what that would like look like or what he'd be talking about. Like, to me, that's just such a foreign concept. I mean, you could say, oh, well, it means just playing all the young guys right away. Like, is that what is that what you took out of saying what we saw in the spring? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I just is that why you know he's uh, uh, he didn't he didn't throw the house at Caleb Williams and instead you know brought in this this guy who's played at uh, UCF? Like, no, nah, man. I think oh, you. I mean, that that kind of mentality gets you nowhere in college football. College yeah. football, you know, especially at a program where the team just won has won 10 games, 10 games, 11 games, 10 games. I mean, no, uh-uh. that's not, that's not the way this works. And I'll just talk real fast. Uh, shout out to Ryan Chapman, who was the, I believe the only one at the Amarillo uh, caravan stop. He's the <laughs> one who got, 
He's uh, well, the only media member at the Umbrella Stop. He's the one who got the uh, the statements about tearing it down to the studs, I believe. So, a uh, shout to him. You can listen to him on the franchise. Maybe hear Matt's voice every once in a while, uh, paired next to him as well. But I want to make sure uh, that's out there. But my thing about tearing it down to the studs is, in my opinion, college football programs take a long time to turn. Like, uh, it's like once Eric Stryker worked. Oklahoma was like stuck getting Eric Stryker types for a while. It's like, we know how this thing works and uh, here's how it's going to happen. And you can kind of start robbing Peter to pay Paul to, to a certain mm-hmm. situation. Like, Oh, you need short-term goals. They need short-term successes. You're chasing potential championships. You've got number one draft pick quarterbacks. You can't mm-hmm. do a full reset on defense. You got to keep like, we got to keep right. the scheme. We got to do sure. this. We have to keep rolling these guys in here, even though long-term we know this may not be healthy, but that's future me's problem. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. someone else's problem to a certain degree. Uh, and now it actually is someone else's problem for Brennables. Um, to me with those types of statements is let, let's say it's the intangible stuff. We're tearing it down to the studs via accountability. We're tearing it down to the studs via discipline. We're tearing it down to the studs via just your opportunity to play at the university of Oklahoma. He was very, Brennables was very big on it's a clean slate. You know what you did then, the people you pissed off who are out, who are no longer in this building, you pissed those guys off. You didn't piss me off. You know, like you have a chance to play here if you want to do that. You could say that. Or something I'm thinking of, it's more of the tangible side of things, saying like we have we have new schemes, offense and yeah. defense. We're not going to play old schemes. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do the whole like we're going to ease into it by playing 50% of Alex Grinch's defense and kind of slowly work our way into it. It does seem like it's just going to be a full reset of we now run Jeff Libby's system and we now yeah. run my defense. And that's going to have some growing pains. You have a lot of kids who've never played in those schemes mm-hmm. who have maybe one year, have multiple years in other schemes, multiple years in Lincoln Riley scheme or Alex Grinch scheme. There might be someone on this roster still who would have some Mike Stoop scheme and Alex Grinch scheme and now going to Brent Venable. So uh, to me, that's where that statement's coming from. Potentially it's like, yeah, we might not have all the right guys for it, but this is the scheme, and the only time to implement the scheme is now, and we got to do it now. Right, you know, it's right, like the Chinese yeah. proverb, plant a tree 20 years ago or plant a tree now. <laughs> right. And you can't go back in time and do it. Right, and so, you know, in the, in that sense, yeah, not compromising in the for the long run what you want the team to be just to win now, but, like, how much compromising would winning now with this team really, really even entail yeah. compared to – putting in in these new schemes i mean like matt was saying about the thunder i mean the idea that ou would look like a tanking nba franchise this year to me is just is just nonsense like no you and and i don't think venables would accept that and i don't think i think he he should he's bound to be aware that OU fans wouldn't accept that so you know i mean there there's there's room for transition issues or grace mm-hmm. but the idea that like you know six and six a year or whatever is fine like i don't i don't know I, mean, I don't think that anybody would buy, buy that no i mean any i mean if if ou wins less than nine games i as a fan will be disappointed <laughs> i mean yeah they they have talent they have the most most or second most talent in the league I don't care. I don't yeah, care. That, I mean, that part of you it, can't yeah. give it to me. You can't say what's well, a new quarterback. I'm like, there's other schools that have new quarterbacks. I mean, Baylor has a new quarterback too. I mean, yeah. Texas has a new quarterback. As, I mean, they, everyone has somebody new somewhere. Right. If you, yeah. if you tell me University of Oklahoma is going to win seven games, 
I want to be pissed off. Yeah. And I am like teams have bad years, you know, that happens. I get it. You know, I'm just saying like, it, it, like, I don't think that whatever it is that is involved with this transition should be the kind of thing where, Oh, you just accepts, you know, okay, well, we're going to have a couple down years, like right off the bat. Yeah. Like, no, it's not, that's not the situation that I see here. No, to also to clear it up for anyone, <laughs> anyone who is listening, I didn't mean this. Th- I didn't mean that he was going to look like the thunder. I did not mean like, <laughs> I did not mean that. I did not mean that. No, no, no. I meant like, especially me, especially I, I do thunder post games. So whenever someone say, Oh, we're going to, you know, rebuild this from the studs, I immediately think, Oh, oh yeah. no. Oh, oh yeah. no. Oh yeah. I automatically go to losing games and losing yeah. games by a record number, record number of points. <laughs> uh, but no, also the, the one that, uh, that got me, it was a really good quote. I mean, it's, some might take it as coach speak, whatever, but the last one is uh, if we're going to be a championship program, how you do anything is how you do everything and yeah. everything matters. So that when he's talking about, you know, tearing it down the studs, I'm think in my mind, I'm thinking, how we go about doing every single, like every, our day to day, it's going to be completely different. And uh, we're tearing that down, how we handle ourselves. And you saw even like taking pictures with shirt and ties on or like with mm. suit and ties on like everything like that. Just their day to day is going to be torn down and we're, we're doing new things all around. Yeah. I mean, um, so speaking of tearing things down, it kind of brought my mind. I mean, like it does seem like the, the athletic department as a general is, is kind of adopting this bigger stuff. I mean, softball facilities, uh, I don't know if they're like officially announced. I can't remember, but I've heard uh, once the season starts, they're going to start upgrading those facilities. Baseball is going to have facility upgrades, potentially if you look at the BOR um, uh, regent, the meeting regents uh, minutes, um, there's some sort of upgrade into the football facilities to uh, create some uh, recovery type rooms and stuff. Uh, it, 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 you can see everyone kind of getting on this line and kind of getting moving in, in these same sort of directions. Um, under Brent, under Brent, that just didn't seem the same under, uh, the, um, uh, under Riley, I guess. Uh, it, it does seem like, and honestly, I'm, I'm, I can't wait till we start kicking the ball off and start playing football. So I can stop being like the hypothetical of, well, what would have Riley done or what would have Brent done and all that type of stuff. And we'll get there soon enough. We've got one off season to kind of f- figure this stuff out. Um, now transitioning away from football, OU softball has their big 12 championship hearts broken. They lose an extras to the, uh, Oklahoma state cowgirls. I mean, that was the first win against the Sooners since like, uh, I was a small child, I think, or something along <laughs> those lines. <laughs> I um, think Matt, Matt, no, they, then you bring up, they, last, uh, he did. Uh, well, well, no, he did it was the last it. home. Was their last ah. win in Norman, their last okay. win in okay. Norman <laughs> was in 97. No, they, okay. they beat, they beat OU last year, I think, or two years ago, whenever. Um, but yeah, man, just a tough, tough scene. And it's, it's not like Oklahoma state is a bad team. Like Oklahoma state is a really good team. And yeah, if you like, the last however many couple games, oh, you kind of coasted. They kind of got, you know, up to an early lead and then and then coasted. And Oklahoma State's not Iowa State. Like they're a good team. And if you try to coast on them, they're not that's that's not their style. Like OSU can play. They're an actually really good team. I think they're the the uh, they just had their selection committee uh, or their selection Sunday mm-hmm. thing for college softball. OU's the number one overall seed, no surprise. Um, but Oklahoma State's number seven. 
they're they're number seven overall. Like they're they're a really good team who, you know, they they can get you. They just just like you saw and um, yeah, tough loss for the Sooners. But so, I think I think they'll be okay. Yeah, Matt, for for you, if balls out there, do, do does is OU able to pull it off if yes. she's healthy? Yes, one thousand percent. Even really, because I yeah. Okay. No, I think I think I think so. Like I think like there's a reason she's going to be freshman of the national freshman of the year, like up there for national pitcher of the year. Like she's there's a reason she's she's up there with that. She is that good. Like Hope Troutwine is good as well, but uh, she she pitched uh, the Iowa State game, and then so they run out their third uh, starter Nicole May, and they're to start out that game and uh, gave up a couple early, then brought Troutwine in and. Couldn't really get anything going there either. So, and the bats, man, got to w- have to wake up bats, as uh, Pedro Serrano <laughs> yeah. would say in Major League. Yeah. So that was my point in it. It's like if OU's h- held the three, I mean, I, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. That's hard yeah. to win in a softball game, uh, especially from this type of offense where, like you said, you could coast because, you know, hey, we're going to put up, yeah, yeah, we're probably still going to run rule you, <laughs> like mm. even, even with this stuff. But, uh, yeah, once I there was kind of news like, oh, it's, it's how hurt is ball. And I think Glass was kind of come out saying we're going to look at see what the doctors are saying and keep her healthy and keep her rested. But I think the plan is for her to play potentially. Uh, but she had done some NIL hit at Academy and it's like 95 degrees and she's like in a jacket. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and then her, she like wasn't moving her one of her arms at all while she's doing like, oh, I love this type of shirt. We're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> she's hurt <laughs> like a stiff arm in like the a softball athletics hooded jacket i'm like it's plus 90 degrees in norman right now like i know the soft i know like a lot of athletes or whatever they do like the shorts in the in a jacket or whatever I'm like it's too damn hot for that right now uh so i mean matt are they can they still bring it home is, is this oh, yeah. now all of a sudden the golden state warriors 73 right. nine i mean well what's going it on give me some hope Hey, it could be, be, could seven, be. It's, it could be 73 and nine, man. There's some other good teams like Florida States. Hey, who they beat last year uh, in the national title game, Florida States just as good as they were last year too. So I don't know. I, I do think that this OU team could win without Jordy ball, mm-hmm. but I would absolutely, I mean, obviously love their chances way more if they have Jordy ball going in uh, to the women's college world series. It's almost like they, they might need to flip back uh, to last year where they really struggled in, in, in the, the pitching department. They really yeah. struggled. They, they were giving up six, seven runs a game, but they were scoring 15, 16 runs a game. So it didn't really matter. Right. And then, you know, G Juarez came along, like found her stride again in the women's college world series. And then they were, they were just rolling after that. Um, now you, you get used to kind of, you know, relying on Jordy ball and, and hope trout wine. And you're, you're only giving up one to two a game so you can score eight or nine and, and be fine. It goes to win. So I feel like they might need to switch that back, be a little bit more aggressive at the plate. Um, as aggressive as you can be for a team that leads the league or leads the nation in home runs, you know, like, yeah. (laughs) So yeah. For whatever mindset, mindset switch you need to make, um, but no, I'm, I'm excited. I, I think they'll be fine. It was just, they kind of got caught by a really good team. I, I think mm-hmm. that's really all it was. Now, something that is very interesting, um, 
now I haven't seen it yet. They haven't started the tournament yet. They haven't started, uh, you know, the, the championship tournament yet. So this still could still happen. But since last year, OU and Texas were announced, obviously moved to the SEC. And now we don't hear a lot of these SEC teams bitching about the tournament being held in Oklahoma City. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, do you, I mean, do we think there was some, hey, guys, calm it down type of thing? We met, I mean, you think, I, I don't know if softball is really high on Sinky's level of like paying right. attention to things, right. but do you think maybe the SEC is like, the teams are like, all right, guys, they're part of us now. We can't bitch about being over there because we're about to get that advantage. Uh, I mean, give me, give me some tinfoil stuff. Hey, we'll see. We'll see. I, th- I don't know. I, I, that could, I kind of like that theory. I kind of like that theory. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. And if there's they, any, any league that orchestrates or is just good about like, Hey, here's how it's going to be guys. I mean, SEC is it. Oh yeah. And it's going to be like, if it's uh if it's OU and let's say Bama, cause Bama's also really good at softball. If it's that, if it's those mm-hmm. two in the national title game, I'm sure it'll be a lot like, uh, like, OU fans were for this year's college football national title game. Like this is a win for the SEC. You know, this is just this is just a win for the SEC. Yeah, just chalk it up. Yeah. We're winners no matter what. Yep. Let's go. Uh that's everything I have written down. Uh, do we have anything that we missed? Matt Allen, you got anything any sort of last uh uh last testaments, I guess, to, for this uh, this episode uh, that maybe maybe I've missed on our notes or anything or anything that maybe popped up in your head? No, nah, man, not really. Like, uh, we hit all the big po- high points, I think. Um, Davis um, made sure to uh, DM me. Um, Vernon Turner won the outdoor, mm-hmm. uh, his first outdoor Big 12 title uh, in the high jump. So, Vernon Turner, shout out, fellow Yukon Miller. <laughs> there you go. Actually, you know what? While I'm here, though, I do want to plug our Patreon because uh, the interview you had this week, Peyton, with uh, – Rob Bowen, who does uh, beta rank, uh, that was awesome, man. Like, I mean, Rob and I tend to see things, I think, probably or look at things through like the same lens. So maybe that had something to do with with it. But I, I mean, I really, I mean, and I'm not just saying that because it's our Patreon. Like, I really enjoyed that, man. I thought that, I thought you guys both did a great job with that. Hey, thanks, man. No, uh, th- that was truly. If you guys want to do that, it's you know, it's uh, through the keyhole patreon.com you can find it fairly simple you can look at at keyhole pod on twitter uh that can find it or look at myself on my twitter at um at peyton guthrie um at blatant homerism for alan and uh matt man what's what's your name i am matt at, i am matt burton yes i am matt burton I mean, we've all got it in our in our handles our, our bios and stuff uh but yeah i mean i, I want to plug that interview as well i just kind of let i gave rob some runway uh, to give lay him a talk and kind of kind of guide it through and we ended up kind of talking about a lot of stuff that had nothing to do with NIL, but it was more about this, like the state of college football to a certain degree that I really, really uh, enjoyed. And th- to be honest with you, as someone of, of my certain mindset, the way I like to think about stuff um, really kind of opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. I just did not think about, I had not put that, that, that two and two together to a certain degree of, of, of watching this stuff. And I'm being very vague. So hopefully you kind of piques your interest and you say, man, I guess I will spend $4 to listen to this interview. Uh, but it's really good. We're going to try to bring on really highly, highly educated people to talk about this stuff at a really high level, uh, about why this stuff matters. Uh, you know, Rob, I had a big stuff. I mean, I did not expect an econ guy to, to, to look at it the way he was looking at it. 
from from the from the social aspect now from the economics aspect where he's like it's america pay the kids whatever you want to pay them yeah <laughs> like i that part i was i was right on that's what i was expecting but some of the other stuff he was saying um really caught me off ca- caught me on my back foot to a certain degree like i didn't think it was going to be that way coming from uh, a numbers guy to uh, all the way there yeah um, yeah i just i'd encourage everybody to listen to it it was really thoughtful really good conversation about the whole state of play in the uh, in college football, college sports at the moment. Well, that's all we got, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we're still working on um, as much off-season content as you had. That the, the the little interview we just spent five minutes talking about is one of them. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have uh, more stuff. We have a podcast every Wednesday, trying to do some interview-style stuff, or if it's just another roundtable uh, with us and we can talk more just about very niche-level topics about things and kind of give ourselves some chances to do it. Uh, there's also more content on there, some video content. Uh, I tried to live stream some stuff, but apparently there's like a copyright thing and you can't like <laughs> live stream football games. So I'm figuring that out. Uh, there's also a little bit of written content, but if you guys want to join on there, it's just $4 to join support and, uh, kind of show off what's going on. And we'll see if we can kind of get some more, um, um, in, uh, interaction that way between the patrons and us as well. Um, but without further ado, uh, I want to say thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, um, we appreciate you supporting the fourth most popular uh, OU fan podcast. Uh, <laughs> hopefully we can c- keep climbing that up. And um, Matt, I'm going to kick it to you. Can you give me a sign off? Boomer.